Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm going to say it and you can't stop me. Oh boy, what are you going to say? I'm going to say today's episode of A Little More Good is brought to you by Planted Life. Boom. Boom, yeah. Planted Life. They are they are a generous sponsor, but uh, what I'm what I'm gonna say is like we actually really like them. Yeah. Like Stephen, uh, who is who is running and leading and organizing this whole uh, vegan expo that's happening that Planted Life is putting on this November twentieth and twenty first. Um, they're awesome. He's awesome. He's such their a cool team. guy. Yeah, we're gonna have him on the podcast. We got to. Yeah, yeah, and their whole team is great. They're just. Uh, they're putting out amazing content. the The event itself is going to be like really next level, not only because it's kind of like one of the first events in a long time, but it's just going to be amazing. Like the vendors that are going to be there, the speakers that are going to be there, the friends that you don't even know you have yet are going to be there. Can we talk about an event that just got announced that we're a part of? Mm. Yes, let's. Okay, so... Fanboy, fanboy being honest here, just yeah. owning my vulnerability, <laughs> owning my truth. I've been like a big ritual fan. I'm going to say ritual nerd, super fan. I don't know. I really like his podcast. I like what he stands for. I like his values. I'm just like an overall fan. He's a good dude. Yeah. And I would say I look up to him and admire him in a lot of ways. So Steven from Planted Expo pitched us a couple of months ago. And was like, hey guys, do you guys want to host a live event with Rich Roll during Planted Expo? And I kind of died on the inside and was trying to play it super cool <laughs> and not like let my like five-year-old girl scream out. Yeah. And I was like, yes, Steven, I think we could do that. Let me check my calendar. <laughs> Sorry, I'm... did you say Rich who? Rich, Rich Roll? Oh, I got to check on that. Who, who is this guy? <laughs> Anyways, said yes. It's actually my wife's birthday that day. Yeah. November 20th. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Megan. But uh, we're going to celebrate on the 19th this yeah, year. I was going to say, you're, you're getting the present. 
because the event was just announced. So it's a, it's an evening with Rich Roll. Yeah. Um, November 20th. Uh, it's an evening event, and uh, myself and Dina over here are going to be doing a live, a little more good podcast in front of an audience, asking Rich all of his deepest, darkest secrets. So Flipping the script on you know the podcast icon of many, us included, and asking, yeah, asking those types of questions, and just going to be a really, really cool, special, uh, kind of like the intimate evening. Whereas people gathered around, it's not a huge number and, and like some accessibility to to ritual that maybe you wouldn't normally get. There's a VIP option as well mm-hmm. where you get to meet and greet Rich. You know, I'll be there. Yes. Buy <laughs> my book, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of that, like his voicing change book, right? Ah, uh, so It'll be available for, for um, those VIPs. Yep. So there's some cool, there's different levels of like ticketing that you can you can get. But this event... I mean, the expo is going to be huge. It's going to be awesome. Grab your ticket at plantedlife.com um, so that you don't miss out on the expo itself. And this is like an above and beyond kind of like bonus event that's got its own separate tickets. And they're going to go fast. We'll throw the link in our show notes uh, because, yeah, as Dean mentioned, limited seating, uh, COVID safe. Um, so there's a lot of protocols. You do have to be double vaccinated to attend. Um yeah, it's going to be awesome. So we'll we'll throw the link in the show notes and uh, don't hesitate because it will sell out quick. Yeah, yeah. This is not one that you want to like wait on and be like, I think should I go? Like should I not go? Just just get it and yeah. make sure you're there because it's gonna be it's gonna be so cool. It's I, gonna be so cool just to like sit in the wisdom and the life stories and good company, good people, and an evening with ritual. It's gonna be great. Cannot wait. Yes. All right, this week's podcast, who do yeah. we got? Okay, so this is a great one. Um, maybe maybe some of you are out there listening to this podcast uh, with your rain gear on and you're out in you know somewhere beautiful BC foraging for mushrooms. Maybe you're listening to this podcast cozied up on the couch and you're drinking your chaga coffee from Four Sigmatic with cordyceps in it. Or maybe you've just, uh, you know, getting getting rolling for the day and you want to sharp, stay strong, so you've just taken some lion's mane tincture. This podcast is with the amazing Steph Daycare and she talks all things mushrooms. The fungal kingdom. There we go. It's got a little bit of 101, a little bit of education, her journey, and how she became first to market with a mushroom product in the... In the whole world. In the whole world. Pioneer. Yeah. Pioneer. Such a such a cool thing. So yeah, Van Van Mushko is her her jam, Vancouver Mushroom Co. And she makes Reishi kombucha. And it's not like kombucha that's typically brewed and then has like a reishi like tincture added in. It's like brewed from reishi mushrooms, which is crazy. And she talks about it on the pod. So so you'll hear more about that process and how it works. But this was a really cool episode because I'm like still kind of new in many ways to like the kingdom of the mushrooms um, and how you can use them for wellness and not just like putting, you know, putting them on top of a pizza or something like this, right? Or in in whatever dish you're making, um, but how they can really be beneficial. And so, yeah, the 101 part of like what the different types of mushrooms are and some of their different um, uses was really, really helpful and insightful. And just knowing too, like some of the conversation bridges into how does uh, the psychedelic component of mushrooms factor in and what are some of the stigmas and how is that starting to change with conversations around like mental wellness, right? And fighting depression and anxiety. So 
Really, really cool stuff. So uh, tune in. We'll uh, we'll let Steph do the talking from here. Uh, thank you for following, listening. Always grateful for you know those reviews, subscriptions, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. This was uh, a new conversation for us, and uh, we're excited uh, for where it will lead us on our own mushroom journeys. All right, here we go. Another episode of A Little More Gut. We've got some somebody near and dear joining us today. Staff daycare. Welcome. Hello. I'm uh, very excited because usually I'm just subjecting people to mushroom facts and so you guys actually want to talk about it so that's great (laughs) i know a willing a willing audience let's nerd out because we're like mushroom fanatics without the knowledge just the feeling that's that's where you start that's the only place that matters yeah we're like this feels good yeah i want it which is so funny because for me like as a kid like it was the worst possible thing you could ever have like if there was a meal with like mushrooms or something or like seeing them growing in the wild i was always like they're poisonous like don't touch them same right like it was this total aversion of being like they're dangerous they're bad for you they're gross they grow in poo like why would you eat that yeah right and then now coming into adulthood being like whoa mushrooms are delicious and uh, from like a wellness perspective being like they have so much to offer right but there's more there's way more curiosity than there is knowledge and i feel like part of part of why i'm glad you're here is like foraging is becoming a thing now like people are really doing this more and more i see on instagram yeah. like people going out into the woods and like you know october rolls around and it's like the instagram blows up with yeah. pictures of people's chanterelles that they found and all this I'm like okay because when we we're when we we're young it was like don't pick the mushrooms exactly They're like might be poisonous and like all the disney cartoons would have like the witches like you know totally yeah the cackling as they pick the mushrooms yes. and and I like when I grew up, I was always taught that there that mushrooms were completely void of nutritional content. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what I believed. And so, and you're right about like that phobia. That's a very like North American and UK point of view mm. of fear, just fearing of mushrooms in general, as opposed to like Asia that just doesn't really exist over there. It's yeah. probably typical really... of our society as a whole though, like fear yeah. over like curiosity and knowledge and love and all those other, you know, more aspirational ways yeah. of living. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. It starts the... with the mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It mirrors everything else. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really one of the best, one of the best quotes ever. A friend of mine said it to me at like kind of a crux point in life. And he's just like, what if you lived with more curiosity than fear? Mm. And I was like, Ooh, love that. Ooh, that's so good. Yeah. And so maybe that's how we even approach a conversation like this, right? It's like lead with curiosity and try to like waylay some of the fears that you might have and allow like, learning and even experiences to to help inform yourself rather than just like it's all bad because that's what like grandma said or mom said or whatever right well and specifically with mushrooms and mycology something that i've learned is that there's so little knowledge all together in the industry and so much to be learned that you could be sitting next to the most well-studied mycologist And they're still in a state of not knowing what's going on in so many different ways. And Mm. so I I think looking at the mushroom industry or looking at mycology in a way that's like, I could actually discover something here because this, the amount of research that's been done is very 
little compared to anything else. Right. Like there's no reason why you can't go out into the forest and discover a brand new mushroom. Like there's no reason. Like there's so many under research, under under studied mushrooms out there. Crazy. That haven't even been logged in a book. Like it's yeah. Let's go. Let's uh podcast is over we gotta go let's go explore some some trails i want to discover a new mushroom and call it something fun yeah Yeah. but you can like you really can the fun fun guy or something (laughs) but it is pretty wild when you think about that is wild we often feel like everything's been mapped and charted and understood and you know maybe every once in a while you'll see like a google news story or something where it's like scientists discover new species but it's always like in the 400 foot cavern that like nobody's ever been in so it's like okay obviously but to be like oh you can go walk in the forest here and encounter something that like we actually don't really know we've we've, there's no record of it like let's start to find out what it is that's that's crazy yeah super fun right yeah that's really cool and there's a lot of mycologists out there that will accept uh like you can take that tiny piece of mushroom that you may have taken from the forest and send it off to a lab they want to get those from you like they want to log them as this came from this location Mm. and find out oh that's something that we already know is there or this is an entirely brand new species interesting which is super cool yeah Yeah. because then it's like where what can we learn what else might be there yeah wow very cool well i I think we're going to talk a lot of mushrooms but (laughs) Let's uh, let's take it back to uh, the early days of Steph Daycare. Oh man, young what, Steph. Young Steph. What were you like when you were a young young lady? I was uh, very full of energy with no idea of where to put it. Like yeah. I think that is actually is a common theme throughout my entire life. It's like constant energy and just trying to figure out how to channel it into something. Um, and so. I was lucky that my parents put me in a lot of sports when I was younger because I never knew what I wanted to do in terms of education or career. I went from like wanting to be a cobbler and learn how to make shoes to do pre-nursing school and that I did uh, kinesiology and then I went into psychology. It's all over the place and uh, athletics was always like a constant in my life of I can go and I can like expel that energy Mm. and not get myself in, you know, too much trouble. Yeah. (laughs) I still got in trouble. (laughs) And what sports were you uh, playing mostly? So in high school, I was a competitive figure skater, which was all encompassing at that point in my life. Um, And as soon as I graduated high school, that was really hard. I remember just like a lack of identity at that point, not knowing what to do with my time, not knowing um, where to turn. And that's when I started running, actually. Let's, and talk, let's talk about the running. Yeah. yeah. We like to talk about running. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Run, running? Somebody say running? Yeah. <laughs> the A Little More Good podcast oh. talking about running. Shocker. Yeah. Shocker. There's a headline. <laughs> yeah. And the running was um, a very... Very welcomed at that point because, like I said, I just didn't know what to do with with my life at that point. And I started to really focus on training with the intention of going to UBC and uh, doing athletics there. And as we were just talking about prior to starting to record, um, I, I think that was a big... 
I've definitely manifested that is getting into UBC for for running because my grades were not going to get me in. <laughs> I tell you, they were not going to get me in. And so I did uh, UBC varsity athletics with um, and did the 800 meter for three or I guess four years. Um, and that was such a, a formative time in my life because it, I learned how to set goals and how to continually fail and keep showing up. I was so slow. I was the slowest person on the team when I joined by far. And I left almost every practice crying. Like it was hard. And it was, and I just said to myself, like, just show up. Like, that's all you can do is just show up. Even if you're last every single day, at least you're doing it. And like, something's going to get better. Right. Right. (laughs) So that was, yeah, by the end of it, I made a goal to make it to nationals for for track and succeeded in that goal and that was a really big moment in my life of like okay just like focus and show up and things can happen yeah yeah so that's one of the things that like kept you there like you had said oh, yeah there was like some <laughs> continuous missing the mark right lots of times if we fail at something we like are so quick to be like oh well like it wasn't for me it's not my thing yeah so like was not making nationals uh a goal that kind of you had early on right or was away. that something yeah. right away yeah okay. as and soon as I joined the team yeah awesome and that was like what kept you through yeah wow. for sure that was like the kind of like the northern star golden star whatever they call it it was a star yeah, it was yeah <laughs> that you were chasing for that meters. I was chasing yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> wow yeah and it was funny because as soon as I made it I almost didn't even go because it wasn't even about getting there. It was just about like, I I did it. Okay. Achieving that. And I almost left to go on a trip to uh, Eastern Europe at that point. And my track coach was trying to get me to stay. And I had booked the trip. I was ready to go. And I decided last minute, okay, I'm going to stay. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. And that very same weekend that I was supposed to be on Everest was when the uh, earthquake happened and the avalanche. No way. Yeah, it was crazy. There was actually wow. a, yeah, my brother called me and he was like, are you not supposed to be there right now? Yeah. Crazy. Life. Yeah. So like running could have pretty much saved your life, <laughs> right? <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. No, that's, wow, that's crazy though. The timing of that. I know, I know. And going to what you talked about, with failing there i think with with running competitively and doing track you know there's only like three winners so there's you know you're constantly failing in the pursuit of you know chasing that podium or whatever Mm -hmm. so what did you learn from failing and perseverance and consistency i think getting really comfortable with not really comfortable with failing like just sitting in that kind of moment of knowing that you gave it your best and like that's all that matters yeah like Mm -hmm. as long as I showed up as long as I gave it my best then there's just like nothing that can be you know you're not I when you see people at athletic events and they're crying after I was always taught growing up like we don't cry after if you lose like that's not the point the point is is like you try your best and if you fail then that's the 
it's part of it. It's just, yeah, resilience, grit, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's one thing that sports teaches in such a, a great way because you're failing all the time in sports. And I think in like, mm-hmm. in with our jobs and with pursuits as parents or, or whatever, we're like, people want to be perfect and they're scared to fail and they're scared to like take risks that they might fail at. But that's, I think where learning and development and growth and like you said, grit is. And I think you can apply it to your job and everything else totally. that you do, you know? Yeah. And embarrassing yourself. Yeah. It's okay. Like, yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah. You got to embarrass yourself. It's like, I will never forget running this race and I was so slow and I was running with a friend and this was a 3000 meter which was just so much longer than I was used to running and I was actually lapped like we were both lapped and I remember crossing the finish people are moving the stuff like they're done they're like this race is over yeah yeah and I just remember thinking like this is good for you this is good for you like just like bask in that embarrassment of of what you're doing (laughs) that's such a good perspective though yeah right because so many times it's like you were saying we, we we do anything and everything to like avoid failure or to minimize it when it happens to us or try to like downplay it rather than like kind of revel in it. Yeah. Right. Like we're taught, Hey, like when you succeed, that's when you like soak it in and really like that's the moment you want. But those are so few and far between and we don't get there without having like failures. Yeah. And really like you can learn from, from winning, but you like learn and are shaped way way more significantly for sure by failing oh yeah 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 you kind of learn what you want too like if you Mm -hmm. fail and you're like shit like i want to get where that guy is like Mm -hmm. it's gonna drive you but if you fail and you're like yeah whatever like maybe it's like you learn that you're not that attached to it and like there's Mm -hmm. some some Mm -hmm. other passion that's waiting for you as right i mean that's like a a very non-buddhist perspective of like you know releasing attachments yeah 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 yeah. Well, that's and I think like what like why are we afraid to fail? It's usually because we don't like I think it all comes back to what other people think of us. Mm-hmm. Right. Like how other people view us and that's why I brought up the whole like embarrassment thing. Yeah. Cuz it's if you it's not usually because you're like, "Oh, I failed and I'm disappointed in myself." It's usually like other people looking at you, which yeah. is really interesting and I think that was a switch that my mom definitely instilled that in me a lot. Like she was very uh, driven by, she was always trying to embarrass me, always growing <laughs> up, always. Like we would be in the grocery store yeah, and she would walk forward ahead of me like 20 meters and then she would look back and she would go, why are you following me, little girl? <laughs> and so she would funny. drag out the joke. So I'd be like running around the grocery store being like, mom, like, stop it mom and she would just laugh yeah oh, i love <laughs> that i love that shout out to your mom she yeah sounds definite cool. shout out to my mom <laughs> she's is she still trying to embarrass you to this day always always amazing <laughs> that's cool i like that yeah that's, to your point of not taking things too seriously you know true yeah 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 definitely get that from her she's always joking around mm. But it like makes you, it's like makes you more resilient. And then like maybe without those grocery store kind of like lessons or experiences, like you wouldn't have stuck with the track team or you wouldn't have this like disposition now where you're like, no, it's good. Like, 
yeah. I need to soak in this embarrassing, like I've been lapped and they're kind of clearing the track and I'm still like, hey, I'm still out here like finishing. Yeah. Right. And not seeing that as like, oh, this like shame filled thing. But it's like, no, no, this is like a, this is a lesson. This is a moment to like experience and take in. Did, yeah. Did you feel one thing that we're kind of hooked on is like the idea of the the runner's high mm. um, and just like the mental the the mental health that kind of running gives us did you find that when you're running competitively or is, does the competition kind of take over like kind of the the mindful meditative state of running you know it's interesting with the i think it depends on the distance right because with something like the 800 meter when i was racing that i almost would like black out the whole right. time because it just happens so quickly mm-hmm. yeah um but near the end, there's two specific races I can look back and think of that I experienced a runner's high that I think I've only ever experienced maybe three times in my life, which cool. is very interesting. Yeah. Um, and that was a pivotal moment that I was like, I'm hooked. Like mm. there was one time in high school coming around the last hundred meters and I looked back to that moment all the time of like, I want to feel that again. (laughs) So So I don't think it's, I think it just, I don't know. It's the, the elusive runner's high. It's something that I feel like everybody's constantly chasing and I think it's worth it. Yeah. Cause you know, and that's actually, um, the podcast episode that you recorded with Emma. Yes. Since actually I listened to that episode, I started supplementing my long runs with um, edibles, with no marijuana. Yeah. And because I remember her talking about like the dual kind of dopamine endocannabinoid yeah. hit. And yeah. I was like, I know I want that. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So tell us, um, well, we always jump all over the place, but tell us yeah. your, your cannabis running, your new runner's high. What does that, uh, what does that look like? Oh, it's just so much more... Um, like meditative Mm. and I I just find that I'm not thinking about any type of pain that I'm in and instead instead I'm thinking about where my body is and like my form which is something that I I tend to not think of usually yeah I'm thinking of dropping my shoulders I'm thinking of tightening my core like it's so much more internal as opposed to what's going on outside in the Mm. world I've been really enjoying it that's interesting yeah because especially with like long long runs like that's where you can get the fatigue and then the the injuries of kind of running with like improper form yeah right that's where most of it has stuck it unless something dramatic happens like running in a short sprint like typically it's the injuries because we like get tired and then you slouch or you start to lean back or your heel striking way more and not being aware like but to be so much more embodied yeah in that run it's like you're it's a different i'm sure it's a totally different experience i i refer to it as like a form building run yeah oh cool because it's so much about form for me which is something i didn't expect actually and do you like smoke some cannabis or do you take an edible or a tincture or or what's your your jam now i'll take edibles okay yeah I, I used to smoke cannabis i still do a little bit yeah but i'm trying to you know smoking is not there's the the research is kind of up in the air. I won't be one to speak on it, but like yeah. I know that 
I don't love it that much. So okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. very cool. Well, shout out to Emma Andrews. Right? Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she is great. Okay, so running, you know, took you through university and and, mm-hmm. and taught you a lot about resilience and grit and you know not giving up and consistency and all those great values. Um, where did if we're you know reading the autobiography of Steph Dacre <laughs> that's coming out soon? Uh, which which chapter follows your running career? So I did a lot of traveling right after right after my running career, which was, I was planning on going back to school to do uh, a doctorate in psychology. That was kind of always the plan. Um, And then I thought, I'm going to do a little bit of traveling, make sure that's what I want. Uh, Turns out I found out that's not what I want. (laughs) I did not want to go back to school. Um, And I did almost, I want to say like four years of traveling off and on where that was when I learned to code. Yep. Um, and I mostly learned to code because I wanted to travel and I wanted to become this idea that I was seeing a lot on the internet at that time of like a coding nomad. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the idea of not having to be in one place to work. And then that brought me that's kind of all a blur. The traveling is just, we could get into that after. But uh, it led me to take a job at a wilderness resort called uh, Clayquat okay. off the coast of Tofino. And that was a huge moment. By moment, I mean it was two summers, so basically two years of my life, where I had never had a relationship with nature as I had gained through working there mm. in that Clayquat is so remote that anything that any waste that we produce had to get either composted or brought out on a barge wow. and so the people that you you know I'm you're sitting down at dinner ta- at the dinner table and the person next to you is the person that is dealing with the waste that you're creating mm. so it was this kind of like microcosm of an of an ecosystem where you could see all of the all of the waste that you were producing the way it was affecting the environment like the wildlife that that's around you and it was this kind of like eye-opening experience of uh, what what is going on in the world but at yeah. a much much smaller scale there was 80 staff okay. so it was kind of like a, a tiny little community and and that was where I foraged my first mushroom. That was where I spent any time talking about mushrooms for the first time. It was the first group of people that were really interested in any type of, yeah, foraging or Hmm. the environment at all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like we all need to take like a little uh, trip up there and live live that way and have like our eyes open to like, it doesn't just go in the trash and then it's gone like forever. Like, yeah. yeah, To see the entire life cycle of the food coming in Mm -hmm. on the barge, you know, preparing it, eating it, and then it going out and realizing, wow, we produce a lot of waste and this is only 80, 80 people plus the guests that come in there, of course. But yeah, yeah, that was a big shift for me for sure. Wow. And that's where you kind of had your your mushroom awakening. You're, you discovered you were passionate about. I d- yeah, I did. It, I was thinking about this the other day, actually. That that time at Clayquat was very. 
that was when I learned about mushrooms, but that was definitely wasn't where I fell in love with mushrooms. It was a little bit after that I moved to Victoria and I got a job at a software development company and I was injured from running and I just had a lot of energy as I was talking about before and I didn't know what to do with it. And I watched a YouTube video by Paul Stamets called Six Ways That Mushrooms Can Save the World. Mm, And I remember sitting there and like it was such a pivotal moment for me where I thought this, if this guy, what he's saying is true, like I was skeptical. I was like, there's no way. Like this is crazy. Like how could this possibly be true? Right. That I just dove into this rabbit hole that I just never came out of, of trying to figure out like, is Paul Stamets making all this up? Like, <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I've had the same thoughts listening to him on podcasts or watching his, his YouTube videos. It's like mushrooms are the solution to every problem. Yeah. And you're like, no, nah, it can't be like, <laughs> yeah. think of the, yeah. the creamy mushrooms or white button mushrooms. And, mm-hmm. you know, you start to go down the Paul Stamets uh, rabbit hole and you're like, shit, maybe this guy's for real. Hmm. Yeah, um, and then there's like more and more science because he's kind of like, you know, he doesn't look like a a scientist or yeah, um, you know, he's got his own vibe. But then like the universities start to like back up what he's saying, and you know the research starts to back up what he's saying, and um, you start to realize how smart and brilliant this guy is. Yeah, hmm. yeah, absolutely. Although, although I'm curious about some of his conspiracies. <laughs> Yeah, we can like go there. Portobello too. mushrooms, right? Doesn't he have something with portobello mushrooms? <laughs> right? Is that a thing? Am I, I making yeah, that up? That, yeah, definitely. He's very fearing of portobello mushrooms. Yeah, what's what? Yeah. I love portobello mushrooms. Should I be scared of them? I think it, I, I... No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, more curiosity, less fear. Yeah, yeah. there we go. There we go. <laughs> but his... From what I understand... Because of the way portobello mushrooms are grown, which is on usually on like a manure-based okay. um, substrate, that they are, you know, mushrooms are recyclers. They're constantly pulling out whatever is in the environment. And then um, because of how... If you're not cooking them so right. that it breaks down all of those toxins, yes. you're hypothetically ingesting those toxins. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. But at the same time, from my point of view, I'm like, well, just cook them. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we cook cook (laughs) them. Like we cook them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're watching this six ways mushrooms can save the world and light bulbs are starting to go off. And where did that, that rabbit hole take you? Man, just, just a couple of years of, I would only read anything if it was mushroom related, all the pot, like I listened to a podcast twice a day mushroom related podcast i was looking through google scholar reading every mushroom related paper i could find anybody that wanted to talk to me about mushrooms i was like sit down let's do this like mm. it was just a, a full-on and it still is full-on obsession of trying to figure out partially if what people were saying was true um, but also just i was just happening upon all of these facts where I was going again, this can't be real. Like this is something that is so unbelievable that 
yeah, I just kept researching and researching and researching. And the the nice thing about the mushroom or mycology industry is that there is no there's no training like there's no like mycology degree Mm -hmm. they're starting to be now but there never really has been it's always been like citizen scientists or self-studied people who just care about it right and i felt very empowered by that yeah it was very like they can do it like paul stamets for example is he didn't go to do any schooling and william padilla brown who is one of the most incredible mycologist that I know, he didn't do any schooling. He calls it YouTube University. And like, that's really inspiring to me. Mm, yeah, it's it's so like democratic and accessible. Yeah. Right? Like if you can if you can live somewhere where mushrooms are growing, mm-hmm. like you can get out there and kind of practice this this mycology, right? Get yeah. and learn and experiment. Um, so interesting. So of these six ways mm-hmm. that mushrooms will save the world can you can you talk about some? yeah what yeah. are what are oh some of them? yeah so okay if someone's yeah, listening for sure. like, wait wait what are these because i feel yeah, like that's good, i mean good we, question. we could we'll try just, we'll try to rattle them off a little bit without sure. just being like pause it and watch the youtube video like yeah. what what are these ways because i think then maybe that will lead us into some more ways that you've kind of gone down the rabbit hole and yeah. experimented or, or learned in your own way of like if this is true i like i love the approach that you took like it's again it kind of started with this curiosity being like eh, is this accurate is this true and then like i need to find out for myself mm-hmm. and then like you had just said that it was open and available for you to just learn and do yeah. it yeah yeah for sure um so everything starts with myco in this when you myco remediation for example is and referring to anything uh environmental cleanup ecological cleanup uh the way that Essentially, the way that mycelium interacts with carbon and how it can clean up our environment, that's probably where I spend most of my time mm-hmm. researching because it's obviously one of our biggest problems. Yes. Um, mycoarchitecture, which is really fun. Like NASA was actually looking into building homes out of mycelium. Really? Because of a few things. I, I What I understand is that mycelium and fungi are very uv and radiation resistant and so that's really fun yeah <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um mycomaterials which is replacing you know packaging plastics ecovative is leading the way when it comes to that he, they do for example um not in Canada, I think it's in Norway, they've replaced all the styrofoam at Ikea with mycelium packaging. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, huge, huge. And the breakdown of it, like when you're finished with that with that packaging, you can literally throw it outside. Yeah. And it's actually helping the environment. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's so much better than everything else. It's not just like a neutral effect. Mm-hmm. It's like a positive yeah effect that's yeah. amazing and that's kind of how like, that's kind of decolonizing our practices in some ways like i remember traveling in india and um you know going on the trains it used to be all clay cups and stuff and they'd just send them throw them out the throw them out the windows and they'd decompose and they'd you know return to the earth in a way and then oh, yeah. plastic came along 
And there was the habit of just throwing things at the window. And now by the trains, you know, there's these like kingdoms of plastic. When if we were using materials and using, you know, our smart ability to invent and, you know, it, it should break down and return to the environment. I think that's uh, yeah. Yeah. kind of returning to how we did things in a sustainable way. And that's exciting. Super exciting. Yeah. 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 I've seen videos of like, mushrooms like seeing some of the i think this was one of like the little plastic islands in the ocean or whatever and they started to like experiment with mushrooms on some of it and the mushrooms were like breaking down yeah yeah the plastic and absorbing as you mentioned the carbon yeah shit exactly yeah total there's strains specific strains that they're working with to break down plastic on our earth which is like you know you hear that and I'm like, sign me up. Like, yeah. let's go, mushrooms. <laughs> they really can save the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Other ways that you want to touch what on? What else we got? Uh, filtration, microfiltration. That's a big one. Fil- filtration of water. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's actually one of the ones that was in his video is basically taking a substrate of some sort, say it's hay, or hemp, and then inoculating it with a certain type of spore. I can't remember which mushroom it is. Inside a um, like a, a bag, uh, like a a bag, <laughs> and putting it in a river at the top of an outflow where you're having issues with like E. coli. Okay. So runoff from farms and stuff like that, and the bags would actually filter um, so that by the end of the stream you have drinkable water wow so literally yeah. mushrooms can save the world yeah and paul <laughs> paul wasn't joking around he wasn't joking yeah yeah that's incredible and mushrooms are their own kingdom right like they're not a vegetable exactly which we thought that they were a plant for a very long time and we were kind of like treating them that way but they're their own kingdom and they they work with plants very closely to not I shouldn't say they but a lot of a lot of mushrooms work very closely with plants to in this like symbiotic relationship where the plants are getting or sorry the the fungi are getting the nutrients that the plants are able to get from um sunlight yes photosynthesis Photosynthesis, thank you well there's a whole there's a whole thing where it's like the recently uh the, the hidden life of trees and it was a this great book and you know the author's talking about how trees can talk to each other and it's really like this kind of cool idea but then when you start to break down the science of it it's like actually they actually they, c- can. they yeah. can yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, but it's only facilitated by like the mycelium the mycelium or the mycorrhizae is that what they call it sometimes or is that a different thing science, mycorrhizal science. fungi it, that's the type that yes. it that like latches on to the roots of the trees right yes. and yeah. so it connects all of these trees together literally the whole forest is connected yeah. through this like underground network yeah. and that like the fungi it's symbiotic on one level but then it also seems as though at least from one thing that I read that it's like they're not exactly sure how like the fungus is benefiting, but it's like doing this as like a benefit of for the trees. It seems like yeah, like it's just it's there, and part of its job is just like to help the trees be connected for the health of the forest. But they were like, we're not actually sure if there's a tangible benefit other than the forest existing, 
Right. Right. And that's yeah. like the, the the ecosystem that they grow in. But it's not like they're absorbing some of the sugars or absor- it's just like it's kind of holding passing. the carbon. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so cool that they're just there as like part of this framework. There, I was reading a study that showed, oh, I hope I don't get this too wrong, where they they covered a tree in a, like a, a set of trees in a tarp. And then they did, they were basically studying how the nutrients were being redirected to that tree in the mycelium or within the mycelium because they're in a network and that tree needed it more. And so they were redirecting nutrients over to that one that wasn't getting sunlight. Yeah. I listened to this one podcast kind of jumping on what you were saying, Dean, and what you're saying, Steph. That was... I think the title of the podcast was like Mushrooms Are the Original Internet or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. this was like before I kind of went on my own little, you know, mushroom journey uh, in wellness. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And it kind of explained how mushrooms through their underground networks can communicate like a hundred miles or something like that. Like if there's a forest fire like a hundred miles away, they're able to like communicate to, yeah. you know, all of the trees and plants within like that hundred mile, mm-hmm. which is very far, uh, of what's going on, so that they can kind of take care of themselves or, right. or pull what they need from the soil or or whatnot. But it's like it's wild. It's wild. wild. Yeah. wild. Think yeah. that a mushroom that you look at growing at the top of you know the grass or whatever this time of year in the fall, um, that that mushroom could be communicating to something. I mean, I might not because I don't know the specifics. It might not be that mushroom exactly, but mushrooms can communicate something so far away. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we just look at it like, uh, like a toadstool or you know, yeah, yeah. something yeah. from Mario Brothers. Or, <laughs> you know, like they're so intelligent. So true. It's very sentient. Very sentient. Like yeah. mm, you have yeah. lessons to learn from these mushrooms. And I think that's probably what you know, took you down this, this journey. That, totally. I, like I, actually on that note, I was reading about how uh, I'm reading Entangled Life right now. I don't know if you guys have heard no, of that book. Tell us about it. It's, a, it's about halfway through and it's really, really good. And it talks a lot about mycelium and the way that it, it uh, interacts with the rest of the ecosystem. And his name's Merlin Shirt. Merlin. Let's just call it by his Merlin. first name. <laughs> first name basis. His name's yeah. Merlin. <laughs> And he's talking about how uh, fungus and this type of slime mold, how it's intelligent enough that if they put it in a maze and uh, set it up so that, you know, there's something at the end of the maze that the mycelium or the slime mold is trying to get, that the slime mold will always choose the most, uh, the shortest route every single time. Wow. And so <laughs> there's, crazy. yeah, there's some uh, researchers and there's some uh, really out there city planners that are using it to actually figure out like road building hmm. of what's the best route to get from this spot to this spot with all of these things in between, which is just like, pff, come on. Yeah. Stop. Follow <laughs> yeah. the mushroom chaos. City planning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're going to be running for office pretty soon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> dad jokes, dad jokes. I appreciate we'll, we'll put that. We'll put a warning at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Dad jokes. <laughs> okay, so can we do, um, you know, I want to get into Vancouver Mushroom Company, but uh, can we do a little bit of 101 on mushrooms for those that are 
YouTube because I think it can yeah. be intimidating. Like I think totally. there is some de- demyth- demystifying and debunking. Um, there are some perceptions that, you know, magical mushrooms, mushrooms are dangerous. Um, yeah. And they're not always seen as a, a wellness food, as an ancestral food, um, as a healing food. Um, so can we get into kind of some of the medicinal mushrooms and then we can go into like the psilocybin and like the the magic mushrooms for lack of a better term so i think what i usually say to people who are new to medicinal mushrooms and want to learn more about their overall benefits is that the most well-researched and uh i guess the benefit that kind of spans across all medicinal mushrooms is their immunomodulating benefits, which is not necessarily a um, increase in your immune system. But if your immune system is in overdrive, bringing it back down, so really like a homeostasis mm-hmm. for your immunity, uh, that seems to be driven by... Uh, beta-glucans, which is something that is present in all mushrooms, whereas some of the other benefits that are present in, say, like cordyceps or reishi on their own seem to come from other compounds outside of beta-glucans. So... Uh, where do we start? I'm getting excited! I know, right? (laughs) Why don't we just, like, go through... Um, Because if you don't know, if you're new to mushrooms, you can go to, you know, you can get the stuff at the pharmacy even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you go to, you know, a health food store. Well, even even HomeSense. I was at at HomeSense the other day and I was like, wait a minute. And there's like packages of reishi and chaga. Yeah. In HomeSense. Love it. So I was like, this is crazy. You can go get like decorative pillows, you know, a new throw. (laughs) (laughs) And like some chaga for your morning brew, right? Love it. Crazy. So it's like becoming more of a thing, more and more accessible. If it's at home sense, then... uh, I feel like that's pretty mainstream. So yeah, why don't we just go through maybe some of the more common medicinal ones. So um, maybe we'll bang some out and you can um, put you on the hot seat. So why don't we start with, uh, because this is kind of your your, uh, bread and butter, so per se, reishi. Reishi, yeah. So reishi is kind of the the mother of the immunomodulators, along with chaga. I would say that those two, well, and turkey tail. Okay. Those three are, are very similar in terms of their benefits of modulating the immune system, antioxidant, um, anti-cancer, any of the uh, reishi and chaga as well seems to be more of a what's Immu- the immunity booster kind of yeah but more of a I'm, the word is not coming to me something that you would take before bedtime as opposed to something that you would take in the right, morning it's calming calming yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I usually take my my reishi tincture could take a couple of drops and um before like yeah when nighttime's starting just to kind of like take it down a little bit yeah take it down exactly yeah and you know what's interesting is to complicate this more (laughs) yes is what they're finding is that each mushroom while it you could say that say reishi is um good to calm you whereas 
cordyceps is something that's good to wake you up and help you with endurance the truth is is that they really affect everyone differently interesting and that it seems to be a result of what you need Mm. and as opposed to what you're expecting to get that's so interesting so it's not like take this for this yeah but it may be like but it's hard because that's what makes it so confusing that's why people get so kind of like what, what, what so what then yeah. so what do i take then my friend took lion's mane and felt so clear so focused yeah. i took it and like i didn't have that exactly yeah. yeah and so i think the companies like four sigmatic have been really important in creating these lists of benefits for different mushrooms to give people a structure of what they should be choosing uh, which is important because you, it's a place to start. Mm-hmm. But I would say that if you're, you're, you know, you try reishi, you're having it before bed and you're finding that it's, you know, keeping you up at night, that might be just a result of the way it's affecting you and it's time to try a different mushroom. Like it's... Well, could it be similar to what we were just talking about, how they operate in the forest, how they like are kind of servicing the whole forest in a way, like finding the weak points or the places of need and kind of supporting those areas like is it doing almost the same thing for I our bodies so i think so that's cool that's the way i f- feel about it yeah. i don't know if that's <laughs> if that's real i mean re- nobody knows if that's true but yeah yeah, yeah but that's what cool. seems to make sense okay yeah. so reishi like if we're kind of speaking on a 101 general level is kind of like a relaxing de-stressing um kind of take it down but yeah immune i would just say immunity is okay yeah chaga and reishi are big immunity and antioxidant anti-cancer okay and that's why actually and turkey tail as well is very very similar but turkey tail looks like a turkey tail turkey tail looks like a turkey tail (laughs) (laughs) and is very soft okay you put it on your cheek in the forest so soft (laughs) (laughs) Highly recommend. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Question on that then. Yes. So out of out of some of the ones that we've talked about so far, and, and we'll go into more, um, where do you find them? Like where apart from go? whole or uh, <laughs> apart from home sense. In terms of like, if you wanted to go foraging, yeah. Oh, like, oh, can yeah. you find them here? Are they local to like BC? Are they other places? Like, where might you yeah, encounter yeah. these in the wild? Turkey tail, you'll definitely find um, usually on decaying logs, hardwood. I believe it's hardwood yeah um reishi we do have a a strain of reishi it's not the same one that you would find in a grocery store mm-hmm. um or the same one that i use in in the kombucha is uh ganoderma lucidum that one's only grown in in asia or in a controlled farm right because i remember seeing like reishi supplements at the pharmacy like even as a teenager from like japan and it was just like yeah kind of like heal like kind of fix every problem you have supplement that i would see at the pharmacy i was like oh mom like i want that one it's gonna fix all my problems yeah Yeah. and but you can get uh i think it's ganoderma organies i think it's called i probably just butchered that it's irrelevant anyways (laughs) it's a type of reishi okay i've i've actually never found reishi okay it's there it's it's around yeah. it's just uh yeah i've never found it personally and i've never found chaga either although that always almost always will grow on birch trees which yeah. is not very present over here more in the east coast mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 
one cool thing i'm getting us off track the question that i just asked you but <laughs> mushrooms are kind of across cultures and and like um they're in the ancient medicines and knowledges of like almost every culture they're in tcm they're in a lot of eastern european cultures they're um you know they grow here locally um like Mm -hmm. almost every kind of ancient culture and ancient medicine has some sort of medicinal mushroom or mushroom healing in their in their history true which is pretty cool truth (laughs) yeah like if dropping, that, dropping truth bombs over there. I mean, if, if that doesn't verify their kind of benefit, I don't know what would if you like see basically every population across the world like using it for their health and well-being. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's enough of an endorsement. Something I often think think of that makes me continue my path down this road of mushrooms <laughs> is that the way that they have been the law like the the oldest organism on earth one of the oldest organisms on earth has been mushrooms fungi Mm. and they have gone through so much to be here today and the way that they fight off other bacteria and other viruses in in nature is something that i often think of well, and not just I, there's a lot of people that go, well, if it's doing it in nature, why is it not able to do it for us? And antibiotics is a really great example of like, we think of antibiotics as this, I should say, I always thought of antibiotics as something that was like negative Mm. of don't take too many antibiotics, you're going to build a resistance to them. And and then I had this like light bulb go off of like, they're all fungi and they're, they're all just, they have this ability to suppress our immune system or raise our immune system that nothing else has. Mm. And yeah, it's just fascinating. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, now I don't mind taking antibiotics when I need them. Of yeah. Course. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. Of course. But like yeah. it's a mushroom. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> Okay, so we got reishi, chaga, turkey tail. Uh, what about Dean and my favorite? Cordies. Yeah. The old cordies. <laughs> Our secret sauce that uh, we keep talking about. Yeah. yeah, secrets out. Secrets out. Yeah. No, cordyceps has a lot of research behind it for endurance. Uh, cell- cellular health is a big one. And just, yeah, energy, stamina, any of the energetic kind of benefits that you're looking for. Uh, there's actually a two, something I just learned not too long ago is that cordyceps, a lot of the research that's done around cordyceps is done around a strain called uh, sinensis, I think it's what it's called, which is what they would forage from uh, Tibet, Nepal, any of the Himalayas. And we grow uh, militaris. Right. completely different strain we don't know how to cultivate that other strain at all because the ones from asia or at least some of them they're growing from insects yes yeah yeah it's almost like an alien thing we, oh, we talked about yes. it before but it's like i remember seeing it on the bbc yeah whatever bbc earth or planet, planet earth, earth or what um and infecting the ant and then yeah. all the other ants trying to get rid of it before it infects the whole group of ants and they kind of climb to the highest place and then this mushroom spores out of the ants like 
body zombie yeah yeah takes over the ants like brain basically so it will climb to the highest place before it spores and shoots out cordyceps to infect all of the ants it's like wild that we would think after seeing how it like basically wipes out a whole ant colony and we're like this is what we need (laughs) right like i think i said it before on the episode uh, that we talked about cordyceps but i'm like who who was the badass that was like yeah yo you know that fungus that like erupts out of ants and kills the whole colony yeah let's eat it (laughs) exactly yeah exactly and and caterpillars too yes yeah Um, moths moths yeah, the different the different strains. I think there's 700 different types of. Actually, it's not cordyceps. It's, it's something called oh, I can't, entomopathogenic fungi. Okay, is the the word for any type of like parasitic fungi. Okay, that right. controls not controls that infects a bug or an insect. Mm. So anything that that infects an insect, and. I've got such a good story for you, actually. Okay, let's hear it. There's this type of entomopathogenic fungi. It's not a cordyceps, but it acts in the same way. And it infects cycadia nymphs. And these cycadia nymphs live underground for 17 years. Have you heard this before? Wow. And the fungi remains dormant and it waits until it, you know, births, leaves the soil and flies off. And then it infects the, the cycadia and it, it basically makes the insect do, it controls their, their uh, muscular and it controls their entire body and makes them do a mating dance. No way. Yeah. It's learned. This is crazy. It's, it's learned to do a mating dance that attracts a female insect, which will then infect the other. You know, and it goes on and on and on, and it will infect the entire colony or a much of the colony. And they'll their stomachs will fall out, oh their organs will fall out, and they'll be dragging themselves on like the soil. Just this, like, like this is creepy. And then the craziest thing is if you actually eat the dead insect after, it's got psilocybin in it. It's hallucinogenic. Wow. wow. Which is just this whole like, like what's going on here? That sounds so sci-fi. I know. Yeah. I know. It's like, are we just doing the mushrooms deeds? Like by taking these tinctures all the time and they actually like controlling us for some like greater purpose or like something you, like that? You will have a podcast about mushrooms yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah we must we must do this <laughs> wild yeah. right it's so crazy it's so crazy too that like we know so much right there's so much information like for, for example that story someone has learned this studied this put it out there so that like this is what happens right and it's mm-hmm. not just like oh no the insects are doing this dance like voluntarily it's like no no this is like being they're being made to do this kind of right and yet at the same time as much knowledge as there is, like you had said, it's it's fairly like it's kind of like the Wild West still. Totally right, like it's yeah. wide open. There isn't a whole. There isn't like a one kind of like governing body that's gonna say yes or no, like this is or this isn't accurate. So there's so much that's open still for like learning and growth and understanding, and yet the, there's like there's all of this wealth of knowledge that's out there, like this book that you have in front of us here, right? (laughs) And like your knowledge and stuff. And so it's like, it's being compiled. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but it's still so wide open. So wide open for like yeah. the learning. Yeah, which yeah. is what why I find it so exciting for sure. Yeah, it's like a new frontier. Yeah, that's that's very very old. That's very very old. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, ready for the next one? Yeah, let's yeah, go. I'm ready. <laughs> Lion's mane. Ooh, that's yes. a popular one, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, lion's mane is probably the mushroom that people ask me the most about. Okay. And they're like, when's the lion's mane kombucha coming? I get that a lot. Mm. Um, when's it coming? Yeah, when is it coming? <laughs> <laughs> TBD, TBD. <laughs> the uh, lion's mane is brain health. Brain health, neuron health. Actually, a lot of research has been done with lion's mane and the way that it can repair your neurons. Um that lion's mane i was just saying right before this podcast is the first mushroom that i tried that i actually felt an immediate difference from and not even the first mushroom but one of the first supplements that i that i tried where within a couple days i had this like clarity and recollection of words and i felt like this can't be like you know this can't be real and i've heard you both talk about the way cordyceps affected you in that way and it's just I, yeah, lion's mane is a really exciting one. Very cool. Yeah. So is that, um, like I've heard a lot about memory, brain health, cognitive function. Um, does that help as you're aging or is it just like a general general kind of brain boost? No, it, it's, it seems to help as you're aging. There's st- some studies being done right now with uh, lion's mane and dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Be amazing to see if we could like help people with just the simplicity of like a mushroom tincture yeah right and it's right. not crazy medicines with all these like side effects and stuff like that but you could bring someone give them more time like to be aware and cognizant of their their family their grandkids just to yeah. be able to be like you know kind of functioning people and it's as simple as like alliance main tincture yeah right yeah. that would be that would be one <laughs> one way that mushrooms would really be saving not just the world, but but individuals, families, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's worth, it's the, you know, there's no harm done. That's the thing. It's, they're non-toxic. Like you could eat, you could consume so many medicinal mm-hmm. mushroom supplements and the toxicity of it compared to so many other pharmaceuticals is just second to none. Like it's... Right. Yeah. And all of these ones that we've we've mentioned so far, none of them are like what would Toxic. fall under like or even even like uh the the magic like hallucinogenic mushrooms none, none of these ones no. that people would take that you could get at you know <laughs> home sets or yeah. you know like the the grocery store or pharmacy like none of these have properties of like no so if some if someone was like oh i'm interested in like the wellness but like i'm not interested in having like a psychedelic experience yeah those are all yeah like quote unquote safe in that regard as well right yeah which is actually in this time right now with uh psychedelics or yeah psychedelics still being illegal mm-hmm. um rest be rest assured that you're not going to happen upon <laughs> you know yeah. a, a supplement at home sense that's going to have <laughs> psilocybin in it i can't Mind wait altering. for the day but yeah you know it, yeah. it's it's one of those things that it, yeah there's so much education to be done and i am really excited for that just the general population to just have like even just a little bit of knowledge around medicinal mushrooms so Mm -hmm. that they can 
understand, like you said, that there's no reason to have fear around them. And there's benefits of combining these mushrooms too, isn't there? Like if you mm-hmm. combine, a, like you mentioned, a reishi with a chaga, with a turkey tail, with a lion's mane, they kind of work together in a symbiotic kind of way to yeah, yeah. have even that's more what benefits. it seems. That's exactly what it seems, what they seem to be doing. Yeah. So crazy. What can mushrooms not do? Save mm. the world. Yeah. We just let them do their job. They'll save the world. Yes. Okay. Save, save us from ourselves. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into, because I think, um, you know, psychedelics in wellness, I think the conversation around psychedelics is evolving and changing, and it used to be mm-hmm. kind of this, like, stoner, burnout, hippie, uh, fringe, alt culture, but now it's coming into the wellness conversation, uh, into a space where it's used for psychedelics are being used for healing and for growing and learning um and mushrooms is a big part of that the 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 psilocybin um can we talk a little bit about the psychedelic wellness of mushrooms and microdosing yeah i guess there's two paths there yeah yeah for sure um we're at a really special time right now where the research is nearly irrefutable and there doesn't seem to be much pushback and the people who we need to move decriminalization forward, for example, are seeming to be in in support. Um, It's... If you want to learn about like really in-depth how psychedelics could help you and how they how whatever you're facing how they could help you there's a wealth of information on the internet it's not there's no shortage of it for sure Um, but from my personal experience um, I've found that microdosing in particular with psilocybin is something that a lot of people are trying but not taking the correct dosage of right that's something i've noticed over the past couple years is they'll say oh i started microdosing i take you know three times a day i take 500 milligrams and i'm thinking you're high all the time (laughs) i guess yeah (laughs) you're always high (laughs) like that's not microdosing but it's just not you know there nobody knows there's no education around it and Mm. um a specific or a, a technically a microdose should be less than 200 milligrams. Okay. It shouldn't be something that you notice. Okay, because I have experimented a decent amount with the microdosing. I've got this this brand, give me a shout out, Dose Osmosis. Uh, they make some great product. I think maybe yeah. even you might have told me about them. Um, and I've experimented with the 50 milligrams all the way to the 500 milligrams. Mm-hmm. And definitely I've taken the five mil- 500 milligrams and been like, oh, there they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God. Yeah. But uh, the 50 milligrams, I find like they do share like on their website, like a regiment of like how you're supposed to take it. And I can't say I've followed that. I've more just like experimented to see how I feel with them. Mm-hmm. But the 150 to 200 milligrams, I kind of like if I take like their de-stress one, I feel like kind of like a glass of wine in like, just yeah, like, yeah. like I'm more relaxed. I'm more calm. Stressful situations aren't affecting me the same. Yeah. That's a really good explanation. Actually the glass of wine in 
That's, yeah. Yeah. Like you're not drunk at all, but you're just like no, a little bit more rounded, <laughs> <laughs> more prepared to yeah. <laughs> face society. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad thing to say. <laughs> no. No, it's and I. It's funny because of all the experimenting that I've done with microdosing, it really, it really depends on. It's. I don't think it's much difference than set and setting with like a larger trip or a, a, right. a macrodose. In that, um, it does reflect the way that you feel going in and what you're doing that day, and some like highly social events. I realized a few years ago that I have a lot of social anxiety in yeah. in large social events. And that's often when I'll microdose before I go to, you know, some event, which I haven't been to in a long time. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Remember events? <laughs> Still microdosing. <but laughs> um, athletic performance right before races, which is, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but, <laughs> or like, Time trials. I'm, I mean, I, this wasn't when I was, was that just for like a competitive a, racing. Was but. was that just for like kind of relaxing your nerves or more for getting you in the zone or what was your experience with athletics and I found, microdosing? I found that I was able to uh, focus on the the goal of what I was trying to yeah. accomplish. So if I was saying like, yeah, I'm trying to keep a four minute kilometer for this many kilometers that I was more likely to commit to it or more likely to be able to hold that pace Mm. which and you know like placebo effect could could be a thing but I don't really care (laughs) if it's working yeah yeah Yeah. exactly so Um, oh go ahead oh I was just gonna say the the other kind of main reason why I would microdose is other than other than heading out for, you know, a nice walk into the forest, it's always a nice way to connect with nature more. Mm-hmm. I find it's grounding. Um, it's a definitely a mood enhancer. Like, I before I started microdosing, I didn't realize that I struggled a little bit with depression. And I thought it was situational. Like, I just put it off as, ah, oh, this is you know, I'm upset because this is happening. Um, but as soon as I started to microdose and I did 15 solid weeks of three days on, two days off, and then I stopped. And that was something that um, I read as uh, this is like, a, you do this for this long and then you just have to maintain it by taking a single dose every couple of weeks or whenever you feel that you need it. And that was a huge difference for me. Mm. I found that my my overall resilience in like my mood for th- whatever I was doing on a daily basis, I just I was lighter. Like everything wasn't so heavy. I was able to before I felt like I was kind of moving through just like a, a light molasses. <laughs> <laughs> and I found that it like removed the molasses. Like things were just a little bit easier. Hmm. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. There's, oh, there's, I just, on that, mm-hmm. uh, what I was going to ask you before is like, I've seen a few studies here recently where they're talking about like the, the direct correlation between people taking like microdoses of different um, psilocybin m- mushrooms as like treatment for depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and that there's beginning to be 
like really solid evidence that these are effective kind of non-pharmaceutical methods of alleviating people's symptoms, which I mean, in our modern world, we all know like the the levels of, of anxiety and depression and how those are kind of almost hand in hand nowadays. Yeah. We're kind of our, in a mental health crisis right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And especially like coming out of this last year and a half, right? We've seen it more and more with people who are, you know, they've lost maybe some other supports or just like friend networks or being able to see family, whatever it is, loss of job, change of the entire world, really. Yeah. So it's on the rise, but how some people are finding um, their way to like this type of mushroom. And it's not... It's not about like microdosing uh, as a means of like experimenting with like a high or what it could do and mm-hmm. kind of like in a recreational way, but really in like a, a medical way of saying this is yep. this is something that's effectively helping me with like stuff that's crippling, whether it's anxiety or depression uh, in ways that like even my medicine wasn't doing before yeah, exactly. is there anything that you can speak to of that like in terms of whatever some studies you know of or just yeah. i mean you did share personally a little bit um the studies that are coming out right now in terms of how they can help in place of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications are shocking like truly shocking they're yeah. really able to help people who can't so it's interesting because we're in kind of a a hard spot for a lot of people because the people who need that help, a lot of them are already on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication. And you can't mix those Mm -hmm. medications with something like psilocybin. And so I feel for so many people who need to get off of those medications in the first place to even have the opportunity to try something because as I've heard, getting off of them is extremely, extremely difficult. Um, But for those people who have never gone on the medication in the first place, or they're able to get off of it, it seems to do what their medications have done without any side effects of (laughs) those pharmaceuticals. And it's so exciting and so encouraging because like you said like the mental um, it's a mental health crisis like it's never been before and yeah that's something that i can't wait to see where it goes next that's cool it's exciting because we are as, as we've been mentioning just on the front frontier of this science in a modern way even though it's ancient healing uh, we're just learning how to use it or relearning how to use it now so relearning yeah um, exactly that we're having, you know, these these struggles worldwide with with mental health and and kind of the the new science for mushrooms is and psychedelics as a whole mm-hmm. could be the savior in a way. You know, mm-hmm. it could be what this world needs is we just need you know a little mush more mushrooms in our life. Mushrooms, exactly. Yeah, but it's like we've talked about before with things like you know uh, meditation as a practice. Yeah, right. Cultures and people for thousands and thousands of years have been saying hey like this practice is really good for you yeah. whether it looked like mantras or prayer or just more traditional like meditation as we think of it now and like modern science 
which we all give a lot of credit and trust to, comes along and puts like nodes on people's heads and studies them while they meditate. And they're like, wow, turns out meditation is really good for you. And <laughs> yeah. it's like all of the practitioners of like TCM and, you know, these like, yeah. yoga and even just almost any faith that has some sort of like mindful stilling component. It's like, yeah. Yeah, we knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get louder for the people in the back. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting that in the same way, perhaps cultures from around the world that have like used mushrooms because they've understood it's been this like almost um, like traditional ecological knowledge that mm-hmm. they have of their environments, or we could even call it like indigenous knowledge, depending on where you're, you're Absolutely. looking at. Yeah. And that it's been functioning and working. And these are ways of like helping and healing people. And now, you know, as science comes along and Harvard or these different places are doing these studies to prove, oh yeah, it can help with anxiety, depression. It's like some of these cultures and people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> welcome, yeah. welcome to the party. Totally, right? yeah. yeah. And I and that's actually when you said relearning it, it made me think of how um, Harvard had the Harvard Psychedelic Research Committee in the 1960s. You know, and like they they were doing a lot of the research that we're duplicating today and it's the same stuff it's like they knew back then they knew way back in the you know when the indigenous peoples were using certain psychedelic substances for ceremonial reasons like we've always known it was just a a fear and a, a question of I think toxicity for a lot of even though we know that now but I think people assumed you know you whether if not necessarily toxicity of the actual substance but what it could make you do the way that it could affect your mental health like it's gonna make you go crazy it's doing just the opposite yeah yeah and I mean I should say that like there's such powerful compounds I do believe pretty strongly that they shouldn't be uh legalized and just like out out for somebody to pick up at home sense (laughs) (laughs) because that that uh a lot of the research shows that 50 percent of it yes is the the psilocybin but the other half of it is the after being able to integrate it into your life and having a trusted therapist or a friend or who you know somebody that you can actually really work with to understand what you just experienced Mm -hmm. as opposed to just kind of keeping it down and and never never working through what it is like it's kind of the first step it's not the last step yeah Mm -hmm. because it is a journey like i i haven't done magical mushrooms or psilocybin in a long time other than the microdosing but um in my early 20s i loved you know having, having a few caps and going for an adventure and I found like it was just so beneficial in so many ways I just connected me with nature connected me Mm -hmm. to like spiritual well-being connected me to like really philosophical question like questions and conversations like none of that was damaging it was just like what we talked about earlier just like drove curiosity and connection yeah and um even after we would just like be like go on these it was kind of like a hero's journey every time like you know we'd want to go for walks in the forest like it's like alcohol is fine and there's all this destruction with alcohol but you know mushrooms might just want you to make you want to go for like a nice walk 
Yeah, exactly. You know, Make you want to get out into nature. Like say hi to a tree and like appreciate your surroundings and connect to nature in a way that might, you know, lead you to wanting to protect nature, like uh, protecting exactly. our forests and, you know, our natural world. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, the conversations and the questions, like it makes you kind of question things in like a, in a deeper, deeper sense. So for myself, I mean, obviously you could do too many of them and have a very terrible experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're mentioning, maybe with a guide or a therapist, uh, the right amount of mushrooms, I think, can be very, um, can kind of like, you know, push you forward on your own hero's journey yeah. in a place that you can go without mushrooms, but they're going to help you kind of open some doors that you might not have otherwise opened. It's a bit, almost a bit of a shortcut. It's a bit of a shortcut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just a bit. Because you could sit down and you could meditate for many, many hours, and I'm sure you'd get to the same uh, place. Yeah. But do we do we have time? I don't know. <laughs> but, well, yeah. I think for myself, like doing mushrooms really connected me with nature, which led me to like wanting to explore places like the Himalayas and you know mm-hmm. the natural wonders of the world. Um, but I don't know if I would have connected with a love for hiking in my early 20s had it not been for like a couple, you know, adventurous trips. So per yeah, se. there you go. Yeah. And you know what? There's also a big uh, element of self-love that comes with yes. with any type of ingesting of psychedelics. Specifically, I would be speaking to psilocybin, but I the first time I ever had an experience, that was the the kind of main message that I got. And it's one yeah. that I continue to get in any type of ceremony that I have. Kind of clears out the clutter, hey? Yeah. It's a, like, why would you not treat yourself with anything but absolute self-love? Mm-hmm. And as a female being raised in the society that we, you know, are in, um, that is something that I definitely lost for many years. And so it was a huge... Uh, yeah, huge learning for sure. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. The underlying lots of messages. healing. Lots of healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of found the same that it, all the the garbage doesn't really matter as much. It gives you like a really great sense of clarity of what matters. And mm-hmm. for me, on those journeys, it was like nature and connection and mm-hmm. and uh, you know all the other kind of hamster wheel stuff uh, mm-hmm. kind of went to the sidelines and it was like you couldn't even think about that stuff because it seems so unimportant yeah yeah so there we go yeah. there we go advocates advocates but yeah. i i mean i have seen i'm fortunate i haven't had like a bad trip or anything i have seen a lot of friends have bad trips and i think like yeah. part of it for some of uh, my friends was like surrendering to the experience like if you're trying to hold on to control the whole time you know you just took a psychedelic mushroom so yeah you have no choice <laughs> you, you have to kind of give into the journey otherwise yeah. uh it's going to be a struggle but and also like not overdoing it like starting small yeah and, yeah uh, that's that's actually what I, what i would say is the largest piece of evidence is or not evidence sorry uh uh, what's the word? Like anecdotal exper- recommendation, if oh, you right, will. Right. If I would, t- if I would give a recommendation, it would yes. be to build a relationship with 
the mushrooms, build a relationship with the psilocybin in a way that you understand how it affects you at a tiny dose at, you know, 200 milligrams at 500 milligrams, 800 milligrams, a gram. How do I feel? Do I like it? Like, what does it do to my body? How does my heart rate feel? Mm -hmm. And uh, work your way up to something that you feel like you've, you know what you're going to get. I, I know there's plenty of people who've sat down and taken a hero's dose of five grams in the dark, but I just don't think that's the right way. <laughs> I yeah. don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> that might scare a lot of people yeah. off of what's even possible for their for yeah. their own uh, for their own healing or journey or whatnot. And mm-hmm. maybe a gram is all that you ever want to do. Yeah. And maybe that gives you the message that you're looking for and maybe it's not. But I, yeah, I think learning to understand how it affects your body and whether you like it or not is really important for sure. So one thing that this is making me think about uh, we're, we've talked about this a bit on past podcasts, but um, we're in a, a phase here in BC where we're um, battling to keep our old growth forest alive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the trees are getting cut down at a rate that, you know, they might all be gone within three years. Um, mushrooms and trees go together and mm-hmm. they're both ancient organisms. In terms of just the scientific side of understanding mushrooms and species of mushrooms like what could we be losing by cutting down these thousand year old trees so much yeah so much uh so much that we don't even know like that's kind of where it's in in mycology because of the lack of research that's been done so far and uh the amount that we still have to do we just have no idea what we're losing. And we're not going to know until it's too late. Yeah. And that's what's really scary about it. And something like a good example is uh, of something we do know is agaricon, right. which only exists in old growth forests. And it's so rare. And it is definitely one of the most medicinal mushrooms there is out there. Can you talk about agaricon? I've seen it at um, um, Harmonic Arts sometimes has a tincture of agaricon oh yeah and i've just bought it because they're like rare. yeah i'm like okay try <laughs> well sometimes i know that <laughs> so, for example rainbow they use agaricon in their tinctures but they they use the mycelium okay so often what they'll do is you'll go out like i i was so happy i was foraging two weeks ago and i found agaricon for the first time and i was so excited and i just took a little tiny little piece off the side of it yeah took it home put it on a petri dish and i'm just growing out the mycelium wow and um that i mean i don't know what i'm gonna do with it but it was just more of like a but i have this mycelium now and it, it's something that like you said if all of the old growth is gone then all of the agaricon is gone um i don't know i don't i don't know enough about agaricon to speak of like the actual but benefits symbiotic, symbiotic to the old growth forest yes yeah yeah it just doesn't exist anywhere outside mm. of the old growth from what so, so think about how many species that like don't grow in new growth yeah. uh, that require kind of these ancient trees yeah. to to exist like mm-hmm. we're wiping out much more than yeah you know a tree well yeah. coming back to that like conversation we had earlier about the connection through mycelium from tree to tree and all that Mm -hmm. it's often the old growth that are the biggest 
Mm-hmm. And so they are breaking through the canopy or at the top and absorbing the most sunlight and therefore generating the most sugars and all of the stuff that is needed mm. that can then distribute through the forest, right? So when you think about cutting those things down, it's not only the loss of that tree and the potential other things that are growing on it, around it, through it, whatever, but then the whole network it suffers a loss because that tree now can no longer distribute resources to the rest of the forest, right? Which is crazy. So you're not just cutting down a tree. No. It's like you're breaking a significant player in a whole network, right? And so that's again where these are things that we don't even necessarily think of when we think of, oh, well, we like need trees for logging and we need, you know, because of course, of course we do. But like there there are better ways. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I just... The old growth is so important especially when it you know they're they're talking about how they need the old growth to make things like oh we need it for specialty wood like guitars <laughs> you know and you're like sorry what like <laughs> yeah. so, guitars like i feel like we could probably do without you know yeah old growth <laughs> six strings yeah. yeah yeah like i'm pretty sure we could we could uh find a new a new material that would be pretty much just as good mycelium man yeah (laughs) right there's somebody actually there is somebody that made a guitar out of mycelium like (laughs) that's cool what more do you need (laughs) and i've seen mushrooms that are like fire resistant yes it's just crazy yeah kind of go forever on that okay so i wanted to get to this one exciting place Mm -hmm. um see where we go from there but you launched Vancouver Mushroom Company, Van Mushko, mm-hmm. and it is the first in the world that I have found, that Google yeah. has showed me, <laughs> <laughs> to be a, a mushroom-based kombucha. And yeah. like, just to clarify for the listeners, like, there's been kombuchas that are green tea or black tea based that people have added mushrooms to, but you are using mm-hmm. a... So people can know that we're, what we're talking about. You've used a reishi tea as the base of the kombucha. Yeah. And you're yeah. the first person in the yeah. world to do this. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's fun, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's actually, for a very long time, I thought, well, there must be a reason. Like, there must be a reason why nobody's done this. But I think it's just a weird, one of those weird things that just never, for some reason... Nobody else. I don't know why nobody else still hasn't done it. it I, I'm certain another company is going to pop up as soon as we finish recording this podcast. <laughs> I know we're giving away your second your ammo. Yeah. yeah, but but honestly, Zach's like going to start it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> New line at the juice track. Steeped mushroom. Awkward. Steeped mushroom. Actually, sounds nice. Right, right. Yeah. Heard it here first. Coming soon. Half the price. Half the mushrooms. Half the quality. <laughs> Half the knowledge. Uh, twice the price. Twice yeah, the price. Say. There we go. There we go. <laughs> oh, stuff. Sorry. It's got stuff in it. Yeah. So what's the process? How did you? How did you, how did you come how did up with come this? To be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was just every single thing that I did. I was just thinking about mushrooms. It was a constant like, how how what how could I put mushrooms in this? Yeah. Anything like I was just putting mushrooms in absolutely everything. And I always made kombucha. Well, not always, but for years prior to that, I made kombucha. And then I ran out of black tea. And I had reishi tea boiling on the stove. 
And I just remember looking at it going, well, let's give this a shot. Like, why not? I was certain that it would taste awful. Mm -hmm. Like I was certain it was just something I was doing for myself. Um, and then I tasted it and I was just like delightfully impressed, <laughs> you know, and I started to feed it to my family and feed it to my friends and they were also delightfully impressed. And it was one of those moments where I just thought, how could I not move forward with this? Uh, at that moment, I was looking at starting a, like a supplement based mushroom company. Um, but I couldn't bring myself to move forward with it because there was enough people doing it well mm -hmm. if that makes sense like mm -hmm. rainbow was was a company that i looked up towards at that point and i just thought she's doing it so well and and i wanted to do something different so i held back and then shortly after that the whole reishi kombucha just came came to be and it's very interesting because uh people in the kind of formative phase kept saying to me well you can't you can't do that like you can't make kombucha out of reishi that doesn't make sense like you need tea you need whatever even people will say oh you can't use this type of tea you have to use black tea or you have to use green tea like there's a lot of rules and structure around the kombucha industry mm -hmm. and i i don't really subscribe to that kind of like purist nature when it comes to these types of things i think we can ferment anything if we give it a shot yeah you know and so i i under from what i understand is that the mushrooms contain the nitrite nitrates that are present in black tea or green tea and that's what allows it to be something that can continually ferment and the scoby is healthy and it's getting that like nutrients from from the reishi that's great and that's kind of a theory so we don't really know <laughs> it's almost like the mushrooms wanted you to do this <laughs> i you know i would not be surprised i'm just actually walking around being controlled by cordyceps <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there is a sci-fi novel that is basically about cordyceps i'll have to find the the last res no i think it's like something about a girl yeah book. yeah we'll have to they made a movie too yeah there's a movie yeah it's a great book we'll, we'll put it in the show notes, show notes. or something yeah, show notes <laughs> okay so you've got this kombucha that you're brewing reishi is the base mm -hmm. and uh you know you've been distributing it throughout vancouver mm -hmm. um i think the potential is endless i think it's so exciting it is exciting. It's uh, the you know the same same issues exist as any other business and any other kombucha business in particular is definitely something that I'm really getting in the thick of now <laughs> because it's so un it's so inconsistent. Uh, fermentation is just it they it has its mind of its own and it's so. Uh, like depending upon the temperature, depending upon so many things. Um, and I've had to really learn to just go with it and not right. like try to control it too much and just accept that like if it's not ready that day, you know, you're going back the next day and try to like taste it and smell it and like under try to yeah let go of like the structure of what you would expect a business to be run like mm -hmm. right which is it's kind of a dichotomy in a way of you know sometimes things don't work out and like that is the nature of fermentation you just have to have so many 
backup plans all the time because <laughs> yeah. it's a living product in a way like exactly know, yeah compared to say coca-cola or something like that um as a you know it kind of gives you that sparkly kind of drink satisfaction coca-cola mm-hmm. is like no longer a living product so per se uh but there's the scoby or the you know the yeast in it is like basically a living bacteria right yeah 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 and it's it's interesting. I could go down the rabbit hole. Ferment, fermenting specifically with medicinal mushrooms is something that it's uh, a weird, a weird intersection that doesn't seem to be. Not a lot of work has been done with it. Yeah. And, well, you're the first in the world. Well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's me. You're pioneering like a whole new sector of you know. It's weird if you say it like that, but but it's true. I mean, I know yeah. I know that you're like a humble, modest, you know, student of of life, but you've really pioneered something that hasn't been done elsewhere. So I think in being it's that exciting. pioneer, like you're discovering it as you go. Yeah, you're yeah. discovering the yeah. health. You're discovering what's possible. You're discovering like the fermentation. Like mm-hmm. no one's done it before. There's not a mat. You can't go. Like even our boy Paul Stamets, like he can't go look up his YouTube and be like, yeah. you know, although maybe he'll like see this somewhere and be like, damn, <laughs> she got there first. I did not think of it. But you're, you know, you're, you're blazing your own path. So I think that's super cool. And you're it's, just discovering what's possible as you, as you do it. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that goes back to even the field of mycology itself and just having that point of view of just reminding myself constantly that I can be the one to do these things and it doesn't need to be, I don't need to be an expert. I don't need to be in a lab formulating a product. Like you can just try it and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, try something else, you know, and that's, yeah. I think that's how business works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like just to oversimplify it, but uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think some people can get intimidated that they need to be an expert to start something, but really you just need to have a passion. Yeah. And that passion will take you wherever you'll let it go. Yeah. Uh, we had the same with the juice truck. Like we're not nutritionists or dietitians or health experts in any ways. We were just very passionate about the product and how we felt from it. And I think your journey has some parallels to that. Totally. Yeah. And like I said, I've learned so much from you guys at the juice truck. Like, I constantly reflect about the fact that <laughs> when the juice truck started, like you, you guys had no idea what you were doing. No, like, mm-hmm. and that's something I always go back to is like nobody knows what they're doing. Yes. Everybody's just Secrets giving out. it their best shot, and and that is true across every industry. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think it's like the the origin of even this conversation around running track and like failing, mm-hmm. but continually showing up because you have the goal yeah right and i think it's like in some ways obviously there's a whole lot that goes into a successful business but a huge component of it is like okay we're gonna fail at some things that doesn't mean we should need to like fold up shop and quit yeah or like start something new but to say okay what do we learn how do we change course pivot reassess and then keep going and knowing that there's a goal at the end that you're driving towards right yeah and even so even in this like the whole thing as we've been saying is like it's new 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 roads like new frontiers places you can go and like i just think it's awesome and even hearing 
you know, you're saying like, oh, I was interested in maybe like doing tinctures or this or that. But then it's mm-hmm. like, that's, it's kind of been done. It's, yeah. Even though it's brand new, be like, no, there's something else for me. And like to find a new way to yeah. do it. It's just like, it's, I think it's so awesome. And it's like really inspiring. Maybe even just for someone listening who's like not, you know, going to start a company that has anything to do with mushrooms, but maybe they're like, yeah, you know, I've been on the brink of trying something new, but I feel like it's been done. Like someone else has done it and they're looking or waiting for that moment of inspiration to just like almost happy coincidence of like the pot of tea was on the stove. And yeah. then I was like, well, maybe I could use that. Like yeah. so often it, it, what we're looking for is right in front of us. If we just slow down to like see it, you know, totally and not be afraid to experiment and fail yeah. or experiment and have some measure of like oh that kind of works <laughs> yeah. let's go yeah yeah and yeah. and you know asking asking for it and like ask asking the universe if you will <laughs> throwing it out there like that was a lot of i spend a lot of time just being like okay i'm ready for the idea to come now mm. let's go yeah yeah <laughs> What makes me think of a post you did just recently where it was either a post or a story where you talked about early days of foraging. Yeah. And you said about how you were like looking for the mushroom. Yes. Like you're out in the forest and you're looking like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then it was like someone who had been doing it for a long time. You like happened to cross each other or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share the story? It was so good. I was like, I love this story. So I went out foraging four times I think and it was lengthy days and I was dragging my boyfriend out at the time into the forest we got stung by like a wasp or a a wasp's nest like 15 times it was so there were so many bad times and I was constantly looking for specifically chanterelles is what I was out to get and I just couldn't find them anywhere. And I was going to locations that people were sending me to in like a this general area. So I felt like I, you know, I was on the right path. And I left the forest and this man left the other side or came out of the forest at a similar location. And he had this huge basket of chanterelles. <laughs> and I was standing in the parking lot and I had my empty basket. And he just looked at me and we locked eyes. And I remember it was like oh this poor girl she's she looks sad (laughs) and he walked up to me and he said um mossy salalberry coniferous trees and um usually second growth and i was like okay okay i'm like you know writing it down and that moment i just remember thinking i'm not looking for the right things like i'm looking for the mushroom instead of where the mushroom wants to live which is so true for every mushroom like for example morels you could go out and look for morels everywhere but if you're not in like a burn zone from the previous year you're probably not going to find them right and so as soon as i started going out with the intention of this is where the mushroom lives or wants to live and this is the mushroom i'm looking for it was almost 100 percent of the time you'd be able to find something wow, yeah awesome. it almost speaks to the, the idea of the journey over the destination you know it's like you have a map that goes a to b you're like the mushroom should be at b yeah but um you know you're you were going about it the wrong way instead of looking for the ecosystem you're just looking for the treasure yeah and uh, once you kind of tapped into the journey and being aware of the surroundings and how the mushrooms grow, 
yeah you know and you're able to yeah it was almost i almost felt like the mushrooms like had <laughs> testing you to, yeah they were like teaching me like you're not you're not learning yeah like you're not paying attention to what what is important here yeah uh and if you're not looking for the right tree like they're not going to be growing in a you know you're not going to find chanterelles in a burn zone you're not going to find morels in you know second growth forest usually that's mossy like it's just not going to happen yeah yeah what it's so cool like we've talked about the connection and how it's not just like a mushroom as a unique entity as part like in a forest like it's part of it Mm -hmm. it's the whole ecosystem so like on one hand it's like yeah of course of course you have to look at the bigger picture yeah of like where would they want to be in order to find them right it's not just you can't just like look on logs and keep your eyes looking for like something like golden yellow in the forest you might find them that way but rather than stepping back and seeing the whole network i mean Mm -hmm. like oh they'll be here because that's where it's like they want to be yeah i just thought that was such a great yeah. A great story and like a lesson, really. Like I was even saying to Zach, I was like, this is like a lesson for life. Like, don't just yeah, go out looking yeah. for the one specific thing. Like you might find it, of course, right? It happens. People are like so narrow and driven in their focus and they find the thing, but then they like miss out on so much other so stuff. So many other things, yeah. Right? Yeah. Or just like that broader knowledge of like, yeah, no, look look here in this way for these things. And then, and then it becomes like, it's almost easier. Yeah. Right? It takes the pressure away from being so focused in on one thing. Yeah. When you look at the bigger scope and kind of slow down, take a take a wider angle. I think that point of slowing down, we're like instant gratification culture, wanting, you know, got my tools, I'm in the forest, want my mushroom, you know, but yeah. it's, a, it's a slow process. Yeah. And I think allowing it to be a slow process is going to be a deeper connection than... Um, basically like dropping a pin and expecting to get mushrooms there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Connect, connecting you to the process in such a deeper sense. Yeah. And that's, I get a lot of messages on Instagram asking me where to find certain mushrooms. And I'm always, you know, I remember being in that place and be like, just somebody show me where they are. I just want to find mushrooms. And I'm sure everybody just shakes their head at me because I'm always like, salalberry, conifera, you know, like trying to like, this is where, and trying to like get them to become interested in learning about it. And uh, because that's the way that you'll find not only chanterelles, but you'll find like, for example, lobster mushrooms also grow in that like similar environment. And you're going to find other things that you might have not found before, as opposed to just like, going for the gold and not right yeah you might come back with the basket full of berries and all yeah. sorts of other yeah. great things uh things that you didn't even know you were looking for exactly yeah and that's the fun of it so what's what's next you've pioneered this new product <laughs> how do you follow that up what's i i mean you brought some really cool samples here for us some cordyceps vinegar holy <laughs> yeah. smokes yeah can't wait to try thank you uh, are there going to be more products, more lines, more mushrooms? Like, what does the next few years look for? Yeah, for Van- Vancouver Mushroom Co. I am in a state, a constant state of holding myself back from other products um, because I'm definitely I've learned that I'm a a creator, um, and like the entrepreneur side of me wants to build things, uh, but not necessarily operationalize them. Mm-hmm. So. 
I'm like locking myself into making sure that the kombucha can grow and can scale and can be, you know, at a place where I can then put my energy into creating again, because that's what makes me happy. And that's what I want to do. I just want to be experimenting all the time. Like that's the, the big end game is I I've got uh, a little, little research lab where I can just play around with mushrooms and see what I can create. Um, but to get there first is to just grow, you know, not too fast, not too slow and make sure that I can get it to a place where I can get people to try the kombucha because what I've learned over the past year of a lot of uh, testing out with with consumers is that people won't even try it Mm. like they and then they'll try it and then they'll go oh I really like this like this isn't like most kombuchas because it is very different in its acidity profile and so what I'm learning is that I need to I just need to get it in people's hands and for them to try it and mm-hmm. then understand that it's 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 just a different kind of product than what they're maybe expecting. Um so that's been a big a big learning is I I just need to give it away almost. <laughs> yeah. You need to educate the consumer. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then yeah, the education around the mushrooms is a whole nother thing. Like right. it's so I'm kind of facing these like the the kombucha consumer, the typical kombucha consumer um, is going to be drawn to that product because they're interested in it. Uh, whether or not they know what a reishi mushroom is, is its own battle. And then anybody outside of the typical kombucha consumer is not even going to touch it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the consumer that probably needs it the most. Um, and that like fermented product in itself is fermented mushrooms is it has so much potential in terms of giving just making it part of somebody's daily life like having a a mushroom supplement every morning is one thing or having it before bed but trying to create products that make it part of your daily life and it's kind of easy to consume is something I'm really interested in Mm -hmm. different avenues of of consumption for medicinal mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah, because like even vinegar. like... Yeah, yeah, like the vinegar. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Yeah. Because right? even Four Sigmatic, like they, they've been around and like you, you'd mentioned them before and they have the, the different types of coffees. Mm-hmm. And I can remember being like, well, like mushroom coffee, that sounds disgusting. Yeah. And then you try it and you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. So there is like some, maybe for the general public, there's like some barrier because I was interested in wellness and all this stuff, but like even to then finally try it and be like, whoa, this this is not a sacrifice on like a cup of coffee. Yeah. This is really yeah. good. Yeah. Plus the benefit of the one that I drink is the Daily Defend with Chaga and Cordyceps. Mm-hmm. So then it's like even better. It's a bonus. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, that, and that's the way I've kind of chosen to, to take this company is that the mushrooms are a, a bonus mm-hmm. in like a... Like the product should be easy enough to consume, easy enough to fit into your daily life. And if that is the case, and it can also have mushrooms in it, then I'm interested. And if it's also fermented, I'm really interested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's cool. I'm seeing like so many applications and 
that excites me. Yeah. I'm like you, like we both like creating, creating, yeah. and it's finding that like implementer that uh, helps slow us down or right, like, yeah, make make the path a little bit more practical. But it is exciting to be in like a creative phase where you know anything is possible, and I think you're proving that. So mm-hmm. important not to forget that. I am, I mean, we can use this as a call out for, I am looking for a partner, an implementation partner. Okay. That's something that I've been starting to network, starting to get out there and, and talk to people that are as passionate as I am that want to kind of hit the ground running because yeah, that's, it's lonely. It's lonely doing it alone. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you are a person of, that lives kind of in ideation you know you need to mm-hmm. you need somewhere beyond your own head for those ideas to live yeah and when they kind of come forth in conversation with others you know that's where they can take life but it's hard to uh, yeah. just always be thinking and have the gears going and yeah kind of keep that to yourself yeah and talking to my cat all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cats and kombucha yeah. yeah is your cat named kombucha Oh, what a missed opportunity. No, right? Lu- Luna. Luna, not even I a mushroom. Wi- I know, Not right? even Chaga or something <laughs> cute like that. Darren Leon's dog. Oh, yeah, His that's right. His name is Chaga. Is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I love that. It's great. I love that. That's awesome. Well, I'm super excited for you. I'm going to be rooting you on and drinking your kombucha wherever I can love get it. Um, you know, I, I think this is a decent place to, uh, to kind of land and maybe... We like to go into a few rapid fire questions and Ooh, fun. see All where right. that takes okay. us. Yeah. So uh, probably back to mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe we'll dabble in some running again. Yeah. Um, okay. One thing, following you on Instagram, I think you're really good at being like consistent and you know being your own scientist in a way, taking an idea and exploring it through till you kind of get to your own conclusion. I've been really enjoying watching you consistently go for your cold water plunges. Mm, yes. Can yes. you talk about that experience and, and the benefits that you might be getting from it? Yeah, for sure. So when I moved in, I moved to the West End at the beginning of June. And my friend Ben, who lives down the street from me, we decided to do uh, everyday cold plunge for the month of June. And we loved it so much that it kind of didn't stop until August, about the end of August. We kind of kept it up till it's getting pretty cold out there right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's about once a week at this point. But in that span of time that I was going every day, my God, did I ever feel good. Mm. It was first and foremost acted as a way to get me out of bed and like alert right away because I found that when I woke up in the morning, even if I had a cup of coffee right away, even if I went for a run or did whatever, it would it would take me a while to get out of this like groggy state. And so we would wake up at six, I would be half asleep stumbling down to the beach, get in the water, and then I'd like, then I would wake up. It was like a second awakening. Um, and I think that other than just that like you know burst of energy that you get first thing in the morning i found that it helped my sleep quite a lot and then i also found that my skin was just so soft and i don't know if that was the salt water 
And I kept saying to all my friends, like, I, you guys, everybody's got to get in the ocean every day because something's going on with my skin right now. <laughs> um, and other than that, just consistently subjecting yourself to uncomfortable temperatures, like, it's, I think it's just good for mental strength, mm. you know? Now I try to do a little longer, like before it was a dip. It was like, we used to call it swim club, but there was no swimming. <laughs> it was a two, two dunks of your head in and out. Yeah. And now um, I've started to do more, less head dunking and more just like lengthy sitting. Yeah. I don't know why that evolved. I have a friend who started doing that like, like, like more four or five minutes in there. And so, yeah. yeah. We'll have to connect Steph with uh, podcast alumni Desiree Nielsen because she has like a crew that do like a weekly plunge oh, and they'll kind of like they're all kind of like awesome wellness experts explorers yeah. um awesome people and uh yeah they do like a weekly plunge and emma, kind of emma goes with her emma too, andrews right? goes yeah. and they'll go for like 10 Should 15 minutes go. yeah that's they're, awesome they seem I really cool that. i love yeah. that seems like a good gang yeah okay so cold water um, you have traveled, you know, pretty extensively from Eastern Europe, Poland, Greece, Vietnam, Asia, Vietnam being in Asia, <laughs> Thailand, Malaysia, <laughs> Japan. Um, you've kind of seen quite a bit of the world. Um, two part question. Where is somewhere that you would love to go back to and what is next on your bucket list? You can like ramble off like six places if you want. There's no, yeah. there's no uh, rule to the these questions. I definitely want to go back to Japan. Cool. I loved Japan. I loved the culture there so much, and I would like to go back skiing there because I was mm-hmm. I never went um, skiing. I was just in the cities. Um, definitely want to do a Japan trip, as they say. Japan, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I always want to go back to uh, Vietnam and Malaysia. Cool. The food, anywhere with the food is the street food just gets me. I just love the street food. Salivating now. I know. know. (laughs) Um, And what's next? Well, I just booked a trip to Nepal to do the Annapurna circuit. Yes. So that's really exciting. That's in March. I hope it can, I hope it can happen. It's with a group of, of people. So yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I might hit you you up for some recommendations. Oh yeah. I got you. But we'll have to have you on to talk about that trip after. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. That's been, that trip has been in my head since you guys went years and years ago. Yeah. Life changing. Yeah. That's if I could go back. I mean, India and Nepal kind of share a similar space in my heart. But if I could just mm-hmm. like travel two places for the rest of my life and go nowhere else, I'd just go to India and Nepal. I love mm. that. I would love to to find uh, cordyceps in Nepal. Mm. Honestly, like if you <laughs> you should start having that. When we went, there wasn't like social media or anything like that. Like if you start connecting right. with people now, you're right. I should. You know, it's doable. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, you could like new goal. Right, and then second new goal for you, because because part of our podcast is just like connecting with amazing people and then creating opportunities for amazing things. So then you could like take groups of people 
with you Ooh. and like lead tours of like, <gasps> hey, love it. Here's the areas, not here they are. Here's the areas that you can look right yeah. for these wild cordyceps planted. And, and then Zach and I would be there. <laughs> yes. <You> would go. <laughs> but how cool would that be, right? Oh, so yeah. I want to learn how to do it. I want to experience it. There you go. There's actually a mycologist. His name's Trad Cotter. He he runs similar kind of excursions. Called I think it's called Misty Mountain is his company. Mm. Or Blue Mountain. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but his okay. name's we'll Trad Cotter. Trad um, Cotter. Cotter. C-O-T-T-E-R. Okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah, he's he's taught a lot of the existing or not existing the newer mycologists today. A lot of them have learned from him, like William Padilla Brown. He I know looks up to to Trad a lot. He's been in the industry for forty years, I think. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Lots of knowledge. Cool. Lots of knowledge. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, veering maybe maybe veering away from mushrooms a little bit. Uh, favorite album. Ooh, oh my gosh! Um, I was listening to your mushroom playlist today when I ran. By the way, oh my god, it was good. Okay, favorite album. This might be one of the hardest questions. Or like top of it doesn't have to be favorite but like top of mind like what's the one that kind of pops into your mind right away you know the first thing that popped into my mind was beyonce's lemonade (laughs) which is like so funny but that's what came that's what came into my mind she's a creator too (laughs) she'd be down with uh some vancouver mushroom co for sure powerhouse i love arcade fire Mm. yeah yeah that's that uh Suburbs album is yeah. one that constantly replay. They're yeah. overdue for something new. I they like are. I was yeah. thinking about like COVID and like I was like, I feel like we need a new Arcade Fire album. Like for World Peace, I think we need a new Jack Johnson album. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. like that would just like set the chorus. People would be happy for you know at least a year. Yeah. Yeah. Mushroom pancakes. Mushroom, Mushroom pancakes. pancakes. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Jack Johnson. Dad joke number two. Hey. Hey, yo. Okay. okay, one of our regular questions. Um, what is a two-parter again? What is a book that you recommend everyone read? And what is a book that you have gifted most in your life? Gifted to others? I, th- I would say Entangled Life. Entangled I would recommend life. that one for everyone to read. Okay. Even though I haven't even made it through the entire book, I, I can tell that it's worth the cool. recommendation. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and the book that I've gifted the most, there's this, uh, book called, oh my God, I can't even remember the the title of it. And it's definitely the one I've gifted the most. Um, what's it about? It's a, it's a daily, uh, read of like one to two pages for every day of the year. And it is focused on, oh simple abundance this simple is what it's abundance. called yeah okay, there we go and it was actually a book that my mom gave to my grandma after my grandpa passed away okay and it was a really hard year for her and she often said that that book was something that really really helped her through that tough time and so i ended up picking it up a, however many years ago probably 10 years ago and it's something that i turn to whenever I'm feeling just like a little bit lost 
and it is centered around like really basic needs like how to fulfill um, yourself in a way that's like I'm going to cook a homemade meal I'm going to put dried flowers in my linens I'm going to uh, you know practice gratitude like it's very grounding and so I give that to almost anybody that (laughs) I find that you know I'm going to give a book to because it's just so you know, pick it up. What's that day? You feel, you know, you need something, and then you pick it up and you flip to that date, and it almost always hits the spot. It's one of those. That's great. Yeah, simple abundance. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I like the name too. Yeah, yeah it's it was written. It's actually rewritten and re-released recently. I think last year because it was written way back in the seventies, and so some of the stuff was just not like quite relevant anymore. Yeah, and like a little bit. Uh, well, what's the word? It just maybe wouldn't be accepted quite as much in today's. <laughs> a little dated, maybe. Yeah, a little dated. Okay. A little dated. Cool, cool. Can uh, trail running and foraging be one thing? Oh, my God. <laughs> or are they kind of like opposites? You know, I, I think it can be, but you you need to accept that you're going to stop a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No Strava. No yeah, Strava. No Strava. It's a, it's a joy run, that's for sure. Yeah. Like it, like and that. it's not great for your neck because you're, you're like... constantly like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet you it's not great for the rest of your body in terms of tripping on okay. roots and like... <laughs> Maybe like a trail run and then foraging. Right. Or like, yeah, like a, you know, 10 minutes and then stop or interval training. Yeah, yeah. Looking around in there the middle. Yeah, in the middle of intervals. Sprint to the Salal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. If you start with the microdose. Yeah. 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 All right, hero's dose. Yeah. <laughs> Depending how Full far circle. you want to run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Double marathon. I got a few more. Do you got some up your sleeve, Steen? Ooh. What's what's a good one? I feel like a go-to mushroom dish that you would make. Ooh, risotto, mushroom risotto. Yeah. Oh yeah, cool. for sure. Nice. What kind of mushrooms? Yeah. Chanterelles that any, you forage? Any, but chanterelles is really good. Really good with lobster mushrooms. It's good with. That's the thing. Like sh- or um, shiitakes, king oysters. Like it's pretty much any of them. Maitake. They've got great names too. I know they, they do have good names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's in charge of the branding of mushrooms? They're nailing it. Yeah. And you know what I just made the other day that was so delicious is uh, king oyster mushroom pulled apart and then slathered in barbecue sauce and used as like a sloppy joe on Ooh, a bun. Damn. Oh, so good. Next level. Yeah. We just did our family Thanksgiving and like the one of the main main pieces was a. Uh, like a mushroom Wellington, so it's all like oh, mushroom. I love mushroom so Wellington. Good. So oh. good. Didn't you recently do like a pop up in the forest with like mushroom dishes or something like that? I did. I did. It was for your birthday, wasn't it? I did. Yeah. Yeah. This was one of those. I don't know if you guys get this when you get an idea in your head and you're like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then it just doesn't go away and you're like, oh, I just have to do this. Yes. It was one of those things where I thought, I just want to have. A long table dinner in the forest, and I want it to all be about mushrooms and just subject all of my friends to mushroom dishes. And um, had a, a, a DJ come and play a set on the beach by the river, and she actually is uh, 
she owns a mushroom company. Not no surprise there. Actually, they said to me, a couple of my friends went, so what kind of music does this DJ play? And I was going, I don't know. I just hired her because she likes mushrooms. Like, are you not? <laughs> I'm just trusting that she'll know the vibe. Yeah. And yeah. she did. And she, <laughs> she nailed it. <laughs> so good the photos looked amazing though it looked really cool it was really fun it was a maybe i want to do it again but i want to delegate more to others (laughs) well maybe we can do a um we recently launched a new series called family dinner oh i heard out there maybe we can do a mushroom dinner mushroom themed family dinner with heck yeah love it okay yeah it's out there. We could get some. I have a, a friend, and who has who's part of a company called Forage, F O R I G. Okay. Um, and they do grow bags. Cool. And um, they do a lot like Lion's Mane grow bags, Pink Oyster grow bags, as well as there's another company local. Can oyster. you explain what a grow bag is? Oh my god! Yes, yeah. Um, it's a like a. It's a, a bag full of whatever substrate, which is usually um, if you're growing oyster mushrooms, for example, you would use like hay as the substrate. It gets, they inject spores into this plastic bag. And then once the entire uh, substrate is covered in mycelium, you slash the plastic bag open as an X and then mushrooms grow out of it and so it's a a way to a low-tech way to grow mushrooms at home and a lot of these companies um, will have little tiny like humidity tents that they'll have along with it so that you can you know control the environment to a certain degree but yeah do-it-yourself starter kit for uh medicinal mushrooms and various yeah, mushrooms yeah and it's so it's like, I, my, it's like my sprouts growing over there but mushrooms yes. yeah exactly <laughs> I've, I've seen it on your on your stories and it's like pretty epic it's so epic and they grow so fast and there's just something about you know growing a mushroom like that on your kitchen counter and then slicing it off and cooking it up that's really cool it's just yeah it's so fun so we'll have to there's another company called bloom spore that does the same thing and i know that they would be so interested in a little um you know a little fun event yeah okay one thing i've been grateful for for you you've been kind of an educator for me on, on mushrooms i send all my questions to you and you always send me like <laughs> the most genuine educational responses back that are like so heartfelt and appreciated um so i've learned about a lot of awesome mushroom brands and i pick up your passion can you just um for someone that's new to mushrooms and wants to check out Mm -hmm. some brands can you give shout outs to a few of your favorites totally yeah um rainbow is always at the top of my list canadian company female-led quality is incredible for sure um mushroom revival they're based down in the states so their product is harder to get in terms of the shipping but not not impossible by any means Um, and that company itself they have a podcast called mushroom revival and they do a lot of education i have learned so much from them so a lot of you know me supporting them is is that it's you know they're really leading the way in a, in a lot of education so that's really exciting and their product is incredible as well um harmonic arts as well local company on vancouver island uh they have a lot of great products I'm 
trying to think of a couple of others. What about that one in Portland that you told me about? Their cordyceps are really great. Um, Oh, uh, cognitive function. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Their cordyceps were like. They. She gets her her cordyceps from uh, William Padilla Brown, who is one of like the leading leading mycologists when it comes to cordyceps, along with uh, a guy called Ryan Paul Gates. His company is called Terrestrial Fungi. And he does have extracts as well. It's hard, though, with the the ones in the States. It's hard to get them up here without paying astronomical shipping and import prices. So I'm excited for more Canadian companies to pop up. Maybe there's still room for more stuff. There might be. (laughs) (laughs) There's always room for more. Yeah. Okay, I've got one more question. And then see if you have... a few more before we uh, conclude things. Okay, this is a tough, might be a tough one. Okay. In a sentence or two, what have mushrooms taught you? Oh, wow. Um, that is so hard. So much. In a sentence. Yeah. Okay, in a sentence or two. I would say that they've taught me that nothing exists on its own and that everything is in some type of a relationship with something else, including ourselves. And I think that this is not going to be one sentence or two. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. I think that uh, understanding that we are a part of a whole and we are the whole is uh, something that we need to really listen to that, mushrooms can teach us is that they they're not you know they're not existing on their own it's not just this is a mushroom it's it's so much more than that and we need to consider every way that it interacts with plants and with animals insects and other fungi and and uh reflect on how that you know impacts our lives yeah there's no eye in mushroom Wow, that's that's pretty deep. <laughs> that's, that's like equal parts deep and dad joke. <laughs> My favorite. I was going dad joke there. But it's, it's true. I love that. I think that's really good. We're all connected. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we all need each other in some other way. And mm. everybody needs to... It's like the, the old, age-old thinking about where you're... you're plate of dinner came from and looking back to the the farmer and the like just kind of thinking about the lineage of things is important mm-hmm. yeah it's powerful yeah it kind of connects you to what the product is and in a deeper deeper sense mm-hmm. tina should we uh should we land her let's do it our last question that we like to ask all of our guests is in uh in light of the name of our podcast, A Little More Good, mm-hmm. what does A Little More Good mean to you? I think A Little More Good means leaving every single person and every single forest that you go forage into and every single business that you enter and relationship that you enter, just leaving it doesn't necessarily need to be better because sometimes that's not possible to leave something better than you found it. But 
um, the intent of leaving it better, I think is what is important. Mm -hmm. That intention of, I am going to leave this and I'm not going to feel anything that will make me think, oh, I wish I did that. I wish I did, wish I didn't do this. Just an, an intent of good, I think is important. I love that. Bring some honor and some respect to our surroundings. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> cool. A little crack in the voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, super proud Fun. of you. Oh, thanks. Stoked to have you here thanks. with us. Yeah. So excited to see where you go with your mushroom journey with Vancouver Mushroom Co. I think anything's possible and I'm going to be here drinking your kombucha and cheering you on. Uh, we often drink it while we're recording the podcast as Love well. It. No, you guys have been an incredible support. And yeah, I'm so grateful. So grateful. Awesome. Love it. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Much love. Diener, I feel like you got some uh, mushroom dad jokes up your sleeves. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that we capped that episode off <laughs> with, with some oh, rapid yeah. fire. But you know the thing, the thing about, it, in, all, in all seriousness, um, the thing about, we did talk about like some running and some of Steph's like origin story. But like when you're going in and doing a deep dive talking about mushrooms... Like, even if we wanted to go in different directions, talking about this this amazing mushroom kingdom, like, it just doesn't leave mushroom for anything else. Whoa, I didn't even see that one coming. That was good. <laughs> that was like the long, winding train of destruction. I'm sorry, everyone, for that terrible dad joke. And you're welcome. Yeah. So, that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> I'm a pretty fun guy, if you ask me. Whoa, Bye. whoa. There's no stop. There's no quit. No, no, there isn't. I can't even match this. Oh, man. It's all right. It's all right. It's obviously had my lion's mane, so my, my <laughs> brain is just like firing. Dose me up. Dose me up. jokes, yeah. So let us know uh, what you thought. Steph is amazing. Check her out um, online. Yes. Van, let's just double check so we get this right. Yeah. I believe it's Van Mushroom Co. on Instagram, but uh, we're just going to get Dina to verify this here. Yeah. She, uh, as we said, first to market in terms of the um, reishi kombucha. So yes, if you want to check her out online, VancouverMushroomCo.com will take you to her website, which is beautiful. By yeah. the way, the aesthetics is so good. I, I think she did her own branding and website and everything. She's a, she's a smart cookie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you heard, right? She's well-versed in a lot of stuff. And then on uh, on the gram, give her a follow at VanMushCo. So VancouverMushroomCoOnline.com and then VanMushCo. She's on the on TikTok the too. She's got some good ticker talkers. What do the kids calling them these days? Tick Tickers, talkers, TikToks. I think God, so. I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah, but definitely, uh, definitely take a chance. Lots, lots to educate yourself on. As we heard, it's just really like all of the things that we know about mushrooms and how they can use. Like, there's still so much to be explored. So, whether you're uh, whether you're an amateur forager or someone who's looking, you know, to replace their their daily brew with uh, maybe something a little more helpful and bene- beneficial for you whether that's uh, yeah, just checking out some chaga or reishi or whatever it might be. Um, this is a great resource for you, for your friends. Share it around. Mush the love around. That was a bad one. Uh, you got better. You got better. <laughs> I do, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll cut you off there. Ooh, you could be connected to your friends like a fungal network. 
Damn, there that's, we go. That's what I should have There we go. Yeah. That's much better. <laughs> All right. Um, if you like Dean's dad jokes and mushrooms, uh, be sure to like, subscribe, and review wherever you get uh, your podcasts. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, just appreciate you and stay tuned for my new podcast dropping Dean's dad jokes. <laughs> much love. Peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.